Before we get into the message uh, this morning, um, mostly when we talk about Mother's Day, here's how it usually goes. Uh, Dad, Father's Day, the preaching, Dad gets a face full of quills. (laughs) And then Mom gets all kinds of sentimental stuff, and that'll probably be true today, but uh, hopefully we'll do a few other things as well. But uh, motherhood is not without its humor, and so I want to read this to you. This is this is some things that, um, that our mothers taught us, and you may be able to identify with some of them. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. <laughs> My mother taught me religion. You better pray that that stuff will come out of the carpet. <laughs> My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. (laughs) Ah, My mother taught me about more logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going with me to the store. (laughs) My mother taught me about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. My mother taught me about irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. (laughs) And I remember this next one very well. My mother taught me about contortionism. Will you look at the dirt on the back of your neck? (laughs) Uh, My mother taught me about stamina. You will sit there until that spinach is gone. And boy, that was my mom. In fact, if I wouldn't eat something, I'd have to sit there until it was done. And if I waited too long, she'd start piling more on. So you got eating. Uh, my mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> my mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. <laughs> my mother taught me the art of anticipation. Just wait till we get home. <laughs> My mother taught me about receiving. You are going to get it when you get home. And then, finally, my mother taught me about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. (laughs) All right. Let's take our Bibles and go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. By the way, if we we had... uh, more moms these days that taught some discipline in home, we might not have some of our major cities getting torn apart. You want to know what's at the root of that problem? It's right there. Deuteronomy chapter 5, and Deuteronomy chapter 5 in verse 16. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged and that it may be well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, uh, we thank you for all that we've um, been able to experience together now in this service. And we ask, Lord, as we consider the word of God, you help me to say those things that would be edifying and encouraging, especially to the moms here. Father, those moms that know you as their personal Savior, may they be encouraged in the importance of what they're doing. 
and the help that they have from you. Father, we pray that uh, all of this would enforce uh, the support of dads and uh, siblings. And, and Father, uh, that we might rally around this important thing called motherhood. Father, we realize it's under attack. Feminism these days and role reversal and all the things that go with it, Lord, are, are tearing up our country. And uh, Father, we can't speak for the rest of the country, but Father, we can, we can, by the grace of God, draw our attention and focus in on your word. And Lord, uh, by your grace, uh, be what you'd have us to be for you. And so we pray especially for the moms here. Pray especially for the young ladies anticipating being moms someday. We pray for these little children. We pray for these couples. And we ask for your mercy and blessing upon us in this hour. In Christ's name, amen. I want to bring a message this morning that's as much a testimonial as it is anything else. And it's called Memories of My Mother. And uh, now this is, don't misunderstand, this is not post-mortem. <laughs> She's still alive. She's still with us. But um, I want to talk, talk about my mom and uh, talk about her in the context of some of the things I think are important when it comes to motherhood and, and no longer obvious. Um, I've been in the ministry long enough to remember when, when certain things about family gender, uh, marriage, were just obvious, but apparently no longer. And so we're going to try to spell some things out that I think are important. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30, the eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Proverbs 23, hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Proverbs 15, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. And he that curseth his father or his mother, Exodus 21, shall surely be put to death. Boy, if that was enforced these days, we'd have a lot of corpses, wouldn't we? Exodus chapter 23, the first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. I thought about that last phrase, thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's, mother's milk. And, and that sort of thing in the Old Testament anticipates abortion, where it might read something like this, thou shalt not kill a child in his mother's womb. Down south, a man is often judged in his character by how he treats his mother. I look at the cross, and I'm in John chapter 19, and I see a touching scene here. The Bible says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to his disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. I mean, the Lord's dying on the cross there, and his mother's at the foot of the cross with John, and uh, he says, John, take care of her. That's your mom now. And mom, he's going to take care of you. That's your son now. First thing I want to say about my mom, in Proverbs chapter 31, the Bible says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. 
But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. My mom was God-fearing. Now, my mom didn't get saved <coughs> until after I got saved. And I didn't get saved until I was almost 18 years old. So she wasn't always saved, but she was always God-fearing even before she got saved. I, I, don't, I, I don't remember her drinking. I don't remember her smoking. I don't come, uh, remember her coming home late from a bar. I don't remember my dad wondering where she was. And uh, she didn't care if Victoria had any secrets. I don't remember her flirting with other men. <coughs> and to be honest with you, nobody ever asked me the question, but in my heart, I was determined to marry someone that I could respect as much as her, even as an unsaved teenage kid. That's not always the case for everybody. Uh, many years ago, gangster on death row was asked if he wanted to, on the last day of his life, was asked if he had anything to say to his mother. And he said, yeah. And he was sitting there playing, playing cards, and he said, tell her I hate her. The guy said, what do you mean by, why, why do you say that? He said, well, he said, the booze and the gambling that got me here today, I learned from her. I remember us going to church, and there never was a question as to whether we were going to church or not. We went to the Catholic church. It was pure ritual, but Sunday morning, we knew where we were going. We were going to church. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. <clears throat> you know what I don't read about in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and that, that portion of Scripture? I don't re remember reading anything about the dad there. And you know what that tells me? That says... That says the good, godly example of a grandmother or a mother can be a powerful thing in the life of a young man. Even if the dad is spiritually deadbeat. I remember one time in parochial school, I got a bad conduct grade. And it broke her heart. And it broke me up in some ways too when, <laughs> when she was done with her broken heart. And my, you know, I, everybody talked about, oh, I, you know, I feared my dad. He'd give me this big spanking. I didn't get too many, I didn't get, I didn't get disciplined that often uh, by my dad. Uh, my mom, usually by the time she got done, there was nothing left for my dad to do. And I remember one time I come home, and it's back before I was saved, and I started running with the wrong crowd, and the drinking and the drugs and the rock concerts and all that stuff. And I come home late one night. And I'd been drinking and doing drugs, and I was sneaking down the hallway to get into bed before I woke anybody up. Everybody else was sleeping. And you know how, how every hallway has those certain places where if you step on it, it creaks? And ours was right in front of the bathroom. And if I could get over that past the bathroom, then just to the right was my bedroom. And I remember I was doing this when the light went on in the bathroom. And I'm in mid-stride, and I looked at her, and she had a look in her eyes. And she said, you've been drinking. 
And I remember I turned and ran. And I ran down the hallway, down this short little flight of stairs onto a landing. And then there was like 14 steps down to a finished basement. And, and, and I remember, I think she threw me down those stairs from the top of that landing. But when I got to the bottom, she was already there. Now, I don't know how that all worked, or that was because I was drunk, or what. And I remember when she got done with me, my dad, he just, he walked down the stairs, and he just took one look at me, and it was like, okay, <laughs> we're done here. You say, what's that about? That's a strong sense of right and wrong. She didn't have the Bible. She was a lost Catholic. And I'm going to say it with dignity. She was old school. With some of the young idiots in our country now, that's supposed to be a bad thing. I consider it a compliment. When somebody says, you're old school, I say, thank you. She didn't have a Bible, and she didn't have Christ as her Savior yet. She'd get saved later on. But she had a strong sense of right and wrong. A strong sense of right and wrong. Uh, when we got married back in 70, 76, I had $1,500 in savings bonds I had forgotten about. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but in 76, that's a bunch of money for a young couple getting married. And you say, where'd you get all those savings bonds? As soon as I saved $18.50 allowance, cutting lawns, and such, my mom would make me go get a savings bond. Now, she'd let me keep a buck here and a buck there to spend, but she didn't believe in blowing it. She believed I should save. And each of those at maturity would be worth 25 bucks. And I remember one day I was with some kids, and one kid's talking about the new bike he had, and the other kid was talking about the new uh, ball glove he got, and the other guy said, what'd you get? I said, I got savings bonds. <laughs> And one guy said, you into savings bonds? I said, no, but my mom is. <laughs> she upheld the integrity of my dad. I could not manipulate my dad to get around my mom, and I couldn't manipulate my mom to get around my dad. You might want to think about that one. You might want to think about that one. Um, she was good. She was good. I think of the mother of James and John, her request. I often thought about that one. <clears throat> you know, you look at the request of mother, uh, the mother of James and John. Uh, could one sit on your right hand and one on your left hand on the kingdom? And uh, that might have been, that might have sounded like pure arrogance. But if you'll think further, there was much more to it than that. This was going to involve suffering. This was a mom that was saying, Lord, I want my sons to achieve the highest level of spirituality that they're capable of, even if it means they suffer. A prodigal son was determined to have a fling. His mother was a woman of prayer. He comforted himself beneath her prayers that he could not get far away. At length, the mother detected a fatal flaw in her own praying. Her sentiment would have her son far away from the transgressors 
which is hard. She was not in full identification with the spirit of the cross. At length, she came to have her son in her heart to die and to live with him. She warned him, quote, son, I'm no longer asking God to protect you or save you from trouble. I'm asking him to get you dead or alive. You say, what happened to that boy? Uh, he's a missionary in Africa. And someone asked him why one time. He says, because I got afraid of my mother's prayers. <laughs> uh, there's something to that. Now, I get the, the tender side of it. Uh, I get the emotionalism. I get all that. But there is this thing called tough love. And uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon talks about his mom. He says this, quote, I cannot tell how much I owe to the prayers of my good mother. I remember her once praying, quote, Now, Lord, if my children go on in sin, and it will not be from ignorance that they perish, and my soul must bear swift witness against them at the day of judgment, if they lay not hold on Christ and claim him as their personal Savior. That's the mom that said, son, you don't get saved and stay right with God. I'll stand up as a witness against you in the day of judgment. There's a time that love must be tough, especially as a Christian. I remember one time, and I've told you this story before, but some haven't heard it. I got pretty rough on my son. We were out in the garage, and uh, he was just loaded up with attitude. So I grabbed him by the collar, probably picked him up a couple inches off the ground. Back in those days, I could do it. And uh, we had words. I mean, man, we had some words. In fact, I don't think we can say all of them here this morning. And I remember I come back in the house, and I walked past the, past the sink. My wife was doing the dishes, and I said, that's ah, too rough on him. She's doing the dishes, and she goes, he needed it. He wasn't going to get any sympathy out of her. He wasn't going to be able to hide under her apron. He wasn't, he wasn't going to get her to run to me and tell, tell me to back off. And some of you moms ought to think about that. Some of you ought to think about that, especially with the boys. And dad, do your job. Man them up. And lady, let them do it. Let them do it. If you don't want a Twinkie, let them do it. Do we understand each other? Amen. She was good. Number two, she was hardworking. Proverbs 31 says, She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. Someone once said, What's wrong with our country these days is we got too many clean hands and dirty hearts. We need more dirty hands and clean hearts. The Bible says, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. I saw a gal run around with a t-shirt one time, says, the only thing I make for dinner is reservations. Well, that's real cute, but I hope that's not true. I hope not for your family. I hope it's not true. She was easy to please. She was a Kmart gal. She, she was frugal. Um... I remember my mom would buy us a pair of shoes at Kmart. No more Kmart anymore. But, and I mean, six weeks later, 
if they were coming apart before she thought they should come apart, she always saved the box. She always saved the receipt. And she put those things in the box with the receipt, and we would take a trip down to the store. I don't know why, but it was always the whole family. And my dad would say to me and my brother and sister, we're staying in the car. <laughs> we're not going in there. And she'd get that, you could see her getting all riled up, and she'd go walk across that parking lot, go in there, and with the box and everything. And, and about 15 minutes later, she'd be coming back, out, a big smile on her face, brand new pair of shoes. <laughs> I never know what was said, but I never got to, I never got to be there when it happened. Cleaning, cooking. She cooked for my dad's taste. She cooked for my dad's taste. I said one time as a kid, hey, mom, how come we're having this? She said, because your dad likes it. I'm not saying she didn't, I'm not saying she didn't cook for me. I'm not saying she didn't give me treats. I'm not saying she didn't do things for me that way, but she upheld dad. She upheld dad. And by the way, Dad, you need to uphold her. Keep your hand here in Deuteronomy. Go to Proverbs 31. Let me show you. This isn't even in my notes, but this is underappreciated. And I know it's Mother's Day and we're recognizing Mom, but it ought to be Mother's Day 365 days a year. And by the way, come in June, it ought to be Father's Day 365 days a year. Because this crazy old world is trying to diminish those two roles to cut you kids loose Without any, without any guidance in any direction or any protection. That's what the whole program's about. You see, when the devil says freedom, he really means, he means freedom from protection and, 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 to, and to be brought into bondage. That's what he means by freedom. But I digress. Proverbs 31, look at verse Look at verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her what? Blessed. Where'd they learn that? Her husband also, and he what? Praiseth her. And what does he say? He says, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. So he lifts up mom in front of those kids. And not just on Mother's Day. Not just on Mother's Day. Listen, uh, Dad. Listen, husband. That world is telling your wife to become a proverbial female gorilla. This feminism is producing a generation of brutal women. Self-centered. Self-centered dismissive of anything that's important. I mean, I've never been able to watch more than 15 seconds of the Kardashians. What is it? What is it? And what are they? And what does a Kardashian do? It just looks to me like an orgy of selfishness and glam and... and God knows what, fake everything. But that's the model out there now. And young man, you better not marry one like that. Because whoever you marry is going to raise your kids. 
One of the things you better make sure is that she's got more skills and more abilities than just how to use a smartphone and how to trowel on makeup. You better make sure she loves kids. But the model out there, it's totally contrary to this. So guys, we need to rise up and call them blessed. And by the way, I thank the Lord that I'm looking at a lot of godly mothers here this morning. And I'm looking at a lot of Christian ladies. I mean, it's one thing to be female. Anybody can be, well. (laughs) I used to be able to say anybody can be female, but a little harder for some people than others. But not everybody can be a lady. You know, just like there's a lot of males, but not every one of them is a man. And I thank the Lord that we've got a lot of Christian ladies around here. And a lot of it's in your spirit and, 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 and the goodness and, and the hard work and your service and, and the priorities that you keep. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Moreover, his mother made him a little coat, that was for Samuel, that is, and brought it to him year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. By the way, lady, teach your daughters home ec. Teach your daughters home ec. Teach them about, they don't, how many of you are old enough to remember when they taught home ec in school? Home economics. The guys would go learn how to fix a car. Yeah. They go learn how to turn wrenches. And then at the, at the, during the same hour, the gals would learn how to cook, clean a house, Manage the money, shop, all that stuff. It's gone. It's gone. You're going to have to teach it. Teach it to your, your girls. Teach, if you know how to sew, teach them how to sew. My wife, I, I don't think we've ever bought, I don't think we've ever bought drapes. She's made all those drapes. Our girls, when they were growing up, she was always making them dresses and stuff. Teach them that stuff. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you what uh, this morning. I got... I got three good kids. I got three good, uh, um, two good son-in-laws and one, one good daughter-in-law. And I got, I got a lot of good grandkids. And, and they're, bec- they're, they're because of uh, her. I give her the credit. Because she's the most hands-on. You know what I, you know what I think a lot of re- uh, women don't realize these days, in this, these days of uh, feminism, is the old saying that the, the hand that rocks the cradle... What? Rules the world. Do you ever notice in your Old Testament, you get, you get in there in the Kings, and you get in there in the Chronicles, and how many times they talk about a king, and, and they would say, whose mother was. And then, they don't mention his father. They mention his mother. And do you ever notice how many of those good kings had good moms? And how many of those wicked kings had wicked moms? Lady, you don't know the power you have. Um, my wife had this spat with cancer a little over a year ago, and then she had this knee replaced. And, um, and she has survived on and off a year of my caregiving. <laughs> That's a medical miracle. <laughs> but it was especially bad with the knee. 
when she come back from the, and I'd done it before, I kind of knew what I was getting into. She'd had both of her feet operated on in years past, and, but it's, it's a good reminder of what they do for us. And I mean, I couldn't walk through the kitchen without having to stop and do something. And it just wore me out. When she's up and going, she doesn't let me stop in the kitchen. She makes me keep going. It's like I go to turn into the kitchen, she's there like, you stay out of here. <laughs> and I mean, every time I went through the kitchen, I'd have to load a dishwasher, unload a dishwasher, make something, clean something or whatever. I was worn out in the first week because not only was I having to do for me what I got to do for me anyways, she couldn't do for me what she had been doing for me, and then I had to do for her what she couldn't do for herself. And you know what I found out, guys? I don't like that caregiving thing. I'd almost rather be the patient. And that's how it's mostly been. Most, uh, guys, they do a lot. They do a lot. And they deserve recognition for it. And what they do is important. Look, let me just put it to you in just real simple terms. I'm not going to try to multiply examples to prove my case. Because I don't need to because I know this is right. You can go out there and compete with men. And beat men in some little genre of life and spend your whole life doing that, and miss out on the best thing about being a woman. And that's being a nurturer and a caregiver to those you love. And by the way, you can't do both. If you're going to go out and be a man, you can't be a lady. If you're going to be a lady, you can't be a man. And I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about occupations. I'm talking about this competitive, bombastic, belligerent attitude that I'm going to be like a man. God didn't make you like a man. He made you to nurture. And he didn't make us to nurture. We're lousy nurturers. So guess what? If you're running around being competitive, because that's what men are, if you're going around being competitive with the men, who's going to nurture the kids? No wonder they're all mixed up. No wonder they're a mess. You got more power than you know. You got more power than you know. My mom made me eat everything on my plate. I can't believe it. I, I kept hearing this and I kept saying, no, this can't be true. For the last 10 years, I've been hearing about beet juice being the wonder food for your heart and your arteries and your veins and your blood pressure and everything. I thought, no, please, Lord, beets, beets. That was the one thing my mom didn't make me eat. If you stuck a beet in my mouth, it would just involuntary projectile right out of, poof, just come out of my mouth. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't put it in there and hold it. Poo, it just cut out. And Carol, is it true? For the last month, I've been drinking beet juice mixed in cranberry juice. <laughs> but I can still smell it when it goes down. My mom made me eat everything on my plate. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. 
And thirdly, she was loving. Psalm 66, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And of course, we know all the stories, the boo-boos and the scrapes and the disappointments. I remember when I didn't make the basketball team in junior high school, she was there for me. I remember when my uh, first girlfriend broke up with me. Boy, she's sorry now. Uh, my mom, my mom was, was there for me. Uh, excavators among the ruins of Pompeii came upon the body of a child with outstretched arms. Exclaimed one, there's a mother here somewhere. Excavating in the direction of the outstretched arms, they found the mother's body. She told me she loved me. She never threatened to leave, and she never said, I wish you were never born. I never heard those things. I always felt secure for those realizations. Teddy Roosevelt once said, when all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldiers who fight for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and occupies, if she would only realize it, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. Now, you won't hear that outside of these four walls. They'll talk to you about self-realization, self-potential, liberation. They'll tell you to be unconcerned about the things in home and not be a keeper at home. They'll encourage you to be unholy, flirtatious, drinking, dancing, and hypnotized by social media. That's what they'll encourage you to be. <coughs> I remember after I was diagnosed with uh, chronic leukemia in 01, the hardest phone call I had to make was to call to my mom and tell her. <coughs> She's in her 80s now. I'm 66. I am still her little boy. And that'll never change. Ain't that a mom? Ain't that a mom? And if God's given you a mom like that, you'd be thankful. You'd be thankful. You say, well, I don't believe in love. It hurts. Yeah, love is risky. You put your heart out there, it's going to get broke. But you want to know something? It's worth it. It's worth it. What's life without love? What's life without protecting myself my whole life? What's, a, what's life without keeping guarded so I don't get hurt? And lastly, she's saved. She accepted Christ as her Savior after I got saved a few years later. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You know, I think that's a remarkable thing, to be honest with you. I was the first one saved out of our, our Catholic family, generations of Catholics on both sides. Uh, my dad's side, the Italian side, all the way back to the old country, and my mom's side, the Polish side, all the way back to the old country. And I got to give them credit. For their, for their kid to tell them, hey, your religion's wrong, this is what you need, that takes a lot of humility to swallow that. But they had that humility. 
And I believe she was one of the first in our family to accept Christ as her personal Savior after I got saved. I think of Mary. I think of Mary there in Luke chapter 1. And Mary was a great woman. I mean, she had to be to be chosen to bring Christ into the world. And yet, you know what she said? She said, my spirit rejoices. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She had to be saved. As a Catholic, we used to pray to her. But Mary never encouraged anybody to pray to her. Mary, Mary says, she said, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She said, also in Luke chapter 1, she said that the Lord had considered the low estate of his handmaiden. She wasn't arrogant. She wasn't full of herself. She was humbled and honored that God would use her to bring Christ into the world. My mom bought me a Strong's Concordance many years ago, and uh, I still have it. And uh, I know everything's gone electronic now. Every once in a while, I'll break that thing out, open it up, and use it. And every time I use it, I think of her. Mom, you got an important job to do. Listen to what the Bible says. Dad, kids, lift her up in it. Encourage her. She deserves it. And you got some prodigal kids out there? Keep praying. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. It ain't over till it's over. There's nine innings in the ball game. You haven't had the three outs in the bottom of the ninth yet. You keep praying. I was but a youth and thoughtless, as all youth are apt to be. And though I had a Christian mother who had taught me carefully, but there came a time when pleasures of the world came to allure. And I no more sought the guidance of her love so good and pure. But mother would not yield her boy to Satan's sinful sway. And though I spurned her counsel, she knew a better way. No more she tried to caution of ways that she knew were vain. And though I guessed her heartache, I could not know its pain. She made my room her altar, a place of sweet prayer. And there she took her burden and left it in his care. In morning, noon, and evening, by that humble bedside low, she sought the aid of him who best can understand a mother's woe. And I went my way on unheeding, careless of the life I led, until one day I noticed Prince of Elbows on my bed. Then I knew she had been there, praying for her wayward boy, who for the love of worldly pleasure would her peace of mind destroy. While I wrestled with my conscience, mother wrestled still in prayer till that little room seemed hallowed <coughs> because so often she met him there. With her God, she held her fortress, and though not a word she said, my stubborn heart was broken by those imprints on my bed. Long the conflict raged within me, sin against my mother's prayer. Sin must yield for mother never while she daily, daily met him there. And her constant love and patience were like coals upon my head, together with the imprints of her elbows on my bed. Mother love and God love are a combination rare, and ones that can't be beaten when sealed in earnest prayer. And so at last the fight was won, and I to Christ was led, and mother's prayers were answered 
by her elbows on my bed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And uh, once again, I, I do thank you for Christian ladies, moms, grandmas, and young ladies that I believe, Lord, want to be good godly mothers. Lord, we need more of those in our country. And we need more of those in the church. We need more of those everywhere. And Father, this morning, encourage the ladies as to the importance of the role you've given them. And Father, help us as dads and husbands and, and brothers and, and sons, Lord, to, to be the encouragement that we should be to them, to rise up and call them blessed. Father, we pray for that one without Christ. Perhaps there's a mom here this morning or one looking in, or a dad or a son or a daughter for that matter, doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior. The mom's a great gal. She was a good mom before she was saved, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful this morning that she knows Christ. Perhaps you're here this morning without Christ. This might be the day of days for you. Got an unsaved mom. Got an unsaved grandmother. Got a wayward child. Keep those elbows on the bed. Keep praying. Don't give up. God's still in the soul-saving business. The greatest weapon you got is prayer. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Nobody can get out of the reach of your prayers. Nope. Someone can say, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You can still pray. Someone can say, I don't want to hear about it anymore. You can still pray. Someone can say, I don't believe that. You can still pray. Turn God loose on him. Go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Help us now as we go forward for thee. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to 553, number 553, Come Thou Found. Come Thou Found of every blessing to my heart.
Dear Heavenly Fathers, we've just heard about mothers, and God help us to be those who are thankful for the mothers we have. And Father, I thank you, Father, for the women in this congregation, Father, that put themselves, their families, and their children, and their husbands, and their friends in front of themselves. Uh, mothers are such an unselfish program, Lord. We thank you for them, and Lord, um, we're all here because of them. <clears throat> Lift them up, guide them, strengthen them, encourage them. Father, every day should be Mother's Day. So be with us today as we go out to the world, Lord, and just proclaim that I have a mother and I love her. And I pray, Lord, that we would be willing to say things to our mothers while they're still on this earth. And as I, mine has gone. So, Father, help us to always be ready to give that answer. Tell them we love them and thank you for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.